So, and this morning we're going to talk about discipline. Yes! Ah. This is a subject I know you're going to love. It's really funny with Mark. I have no idea whether you're smiling or grimacing or sticking your tongues out. Or, not a clue. You can do what you like. I might catch some eyes, but I've got no idea what you're doing. So this could be like the best sermon I've ever preached. I'd have no idea. Or the worst. I'd have no idea. All good for me. Uh, but we're going to talk about discipline a little bit. Or discipleship discipline all comes from the same sort of place. And I'm going to use, with no apology, once again, a little analogy I've used once or twice before, which is the example of um, a marathon. So I've got some questions for you. I've run a marathon. I know, I know I look fit as a fiddle. This is a vision of athleticism. I know it's not. Um, but I ran a marathon some years ago. I'll use some examples from that. Um, so here's a question for you first. Um, if you were running a marathon, um, what do you want to hear from people cheering on the sides? What sort of things do you want to hear? If there, if there were banners on the side, you know, like banners if you're running a marathon, what sort of stuff? Yeah, keep going. What else do you want to hear? Nearly there. <laughs> a mile one. Yeah, that's what you need to hear. Nearly there. Mile one. Nearly there. Keep going. What else do you want to hear? So uh, that sort of stuff, right? Keep going. Um, you're nearly there. Don't give up. You look awesome. And that, yeah, woo! Yeah, like that sort of kind of stuff. And that, that's what you want to hear, I think, isn't it? If you're running a marathon. Uh, or that sort of idea. Um, let's say that you were on the side of a marathon cheering people on. What would you want to be saying? Same stuff, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What are you doing, you fool? Uh, might be in your head, but that might not be what you say. Uh, there's an amazing little, um, little tweet, tweet out the other day, something about um, an old granny, or I presume she was old. Either she was old or she just hadn't weathered well. Young, looked, she looked about 80. Um, and she was just high-fiving people down this run, like people just coming up for a high-five, high-five, like, come on, keep going, really good. That's the sort of stuff I'd like to think would say if you're on the sidelines. Um, now, if you were in a marathon with people running around you or whatever else, uh, what would you hope they're saying to you? I think it was mile 11 or 12 on this, on this marathon. It was in Amsterdam. And we're running alongside a canal because they have got lots of canals yeah, in Amsterdam and Z. Um, so there's a little, little path like this. Uh, we're running along. Um, and there was a lady running behind me. Well, I presume she was a lady. Um, she was built like a brick, uh, as I imagined it, because like, she was, I reckon she was about this far away from me, like, breathing heavy. <laughs> mm, this is not the kind of spurring on that I need in my life right now. If we're running the race together, we need some encouragement, don't we, to spur each other on. Um, and I'd love to just sort of set that in your minds this morning. Um, I think too often in our Christian journey, which is a little bit like a marathon, the sorts of things we cheer people on with are not really cheering. The placards that we hold on the sidelines might be something like this, ooh, it looks a bit hard for you, why don't you just sit down and take a breather? Whereas, in fact, we're called to spur each other on. Uh, if we're running, in fact, sometimes we're sort of looking for a bit of encouragement, and what we get is quite the opposite. Where in fact, God calls us to a life of mutual discipleship. We're in this race together. In fact, neither are on the side, none of us are on the sidelines. We're all in this race, spurring each other on. Not like a woman, I imagine, built like a brick called Helga, breathing heavy down each other's backs, but encouraging each other along the way. I have no idea if her name was Helga. It probably wasn't, but that's the image I had in my head. Sorry to anybody called Helga. We're encouraging each other along the way. And here we have um, a biblical 
almost appeal this morning once again to keep running the race. Um, Let's see if we can get the passage on, Nathan, please, from uh, Hebrews chapter 12. In in the message, this is titled, Discipline in a Long-Distance Race. Uh, Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fats, no parasitic, parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through. That will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Love that phrase. Do you want some adrenaline shot into your souls this morning? I can't see your mouth. Please help me out here. Uh, Some adrenaline shot into your souls from God. I hope that's kind of what we're after. A little adrenaline shot, not from multitudes of caffeine necessarily, but from God, who is the author and perfecter of our souls and our faith. He says, run the race, keep going. If there is one phrase you take away from this morning, it is this. If you are struggling in your faith, keep going. Be encouraged to keep going. Seek Jesus for that adrenaline shot. Keep going. You're at mile 19. Keep going. Keep going in your faith. Keep running the race. That's what we're exploring a bit this morning. There's a point at which a bit later I'm going to ask for Mel's help because I've got too many points and I'm going to need a timer a bit later, uh, a bit later on. But there's this idea of running the race together. So a few questions to start, a few suggestions to start. I'm still in introduction mode. Apologies, no apologies, and then we'll get to some proper points. Uh, What is this race? What is the race? What do you imagine this race is, this race of faith or race of life? Uh, I think a little too often I've imagined this race as kind of getting to somewhere at the end, a little bit like Jesus is at the end. Um, So if you've ever run a race, literal race, there is, I hope, a finishing tape that you kind of pass, or, or maybe you've got balloons that you're going to run underneath, um, or some sort of moment in time. And I think sometimes I've imagined that's where Jesus is, you know. I'm going to run this race, or sort of on my hands and knees, or however it's going, and Jesus is there at the end, ready with the medal for completing the race. So that sort of makes some sense to you. That's, that's sort of how I'd imagine this. I don't think that's right, you know. I do not think that is what um, Paul here is trying to convey. In fact, Jesus is there running the race with us. He's a bit like a better Helga. He's around. He's just not breathing heavy down our necks. He's kind of running in with us. He's not at the end of it. Well, he is at the end of it because we're at the end of it. He's with us all the way through the race. It's a much better picture, I think, of how we're running He's running alongside. Maybe he's running a little bit ahead to encourage us along. Maybe he's at the water station giving us a bit of a feed along the way. Maybe he's a little bit behind us saying, come on, you can do it. But he's in the race with us. It's a better way to imagine the race. So what is this race? What is this race? I think this race is about how we grow in grace 
with, with absolutely no apology for wordplay. This race is grace. This is a grace race. It's how we grow in grace, growing lives of grace. So I think we can see this as how we grow and mature in faith and in grace and build ourselves up. It's not about getting into heaven or getting to a specific place. This is about us living abundant lives full of love and grace and mercy. It's a grace race. Uh, what sort of things will help to uh, help us to understand what that might mean and look like? What is, what is the way of God? You can tell me, what are so, how, would I, how would we know if we're growing in faith? What are some of the things that we might experience or others might experience in, our, in us? You might need to do three words, two eyes, because I can't quite see. How do we know? What, what are the, what's the way of God? Peace is a way, right? That's one of many. What's, what's another way? Contentment. Maybe love. Maybe joy. Maybe some patience, kindness, and so on. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. This race is about growing in the gifts and the fruit of the Spirit. It's growing in faith. It's a race of love, of joy, of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and a whole lot more. Growing in love, growing in joy, and so on. So here's a not rhetorical phrase. And do you want more love in your life, people? Yeah. Oh, that's not bad for a little British grill, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do we want to grow in love? Yeah. yeah. Do we want to grow in joy? Do we want to grow in peace? Yeah, do we want peace in love? Do we want more patience? Hmm. Hmm. More kindness? Yes, more goodness, more faithfulness, more gentleness, more self-control. And self-control, not controlling others, self-control. These are the things that we're growing in as we're racing along this journey. And we needn't be running like an athlete doing a marathon in two hours. Ridiculous people that really shouldn't you know, try. Uh, we're more like the lolloping people who lollop along and kind of finish before the sweeper van sweeps us up. But we kind of get through. Because we're growing in these things. That's what this race is about, developing these gifts and qualities of God. That's what we're after. I think that's what we're after. If these are the things we want, we need to pursue, like a race, the discipline, keep going, keep running consistently. Uh, it doesn't happen like that. Uh, this is really countercultural. Just as I was thinking about this uh, this morning, I was thinking about um, growing in love. Of course, you say, yes, yes, I want to grow in love. Um, but it's quite sort of not normal. Isn't it? I was just listening to a few songs. Uh, as some of you know, we've got a 10-year-old daughter who quite enjoys, like many do, singing along the songs. Uh, there's quite a lot of songs about hate around at the minute. Did you know that? A, B, C, D, E, forget you, and so on. I could carry on. Uh, Sam Fender's got a great one. I was quite enjoying his lines at the minute. He's a brilliant artist. Uh, but he's talking about, um, in this song, uh, it's I Remember. I'm not even going to try and sing it. I'll just do him a massive disservice. It's a song called I Remember. And there's a bit in there about how he's talking in his childhood. They were kicking around, and then the police came and all of this. And there's this guy you beat up, a friend called Tom. And if I met him now, I'd hit him in a heartfelt heartbeat. I'd punch him. That's in the song. Amazing little ballad song. Uh, there's another one, actually, I was looking to. Terrible song, actually, about how I wish, I wish you hated yourself as much as I hate you. This world is full of hate. This is, we just live this world, isn't it? It's countercultural. If someone does you a disservice, your first thought probably isn't, you're welcome. Thank you. 
have the shirt off my back as well, our first instinctive thought as human beings is usually something less healthy. So we need to run the race. It's countercultural. Joy is a bit of a struggle at the minute. And there are plenty of places with this idea of forced joy. Peace is hard, isn't it? To be at peace and contentment, there's so much stuff that can get in the way. I don't need to describe for yourself. Patience at the moment, for some of us who are disposed to a little bit of distraction, it's really hard. Read a book. Try and read a book in one go. It's really hard. It's quite hard work. We don't have patience. Um, I want stuff now. Don't you want stuff now? But our attention spans have, have sort of shrunk from a goldfish to a gnat. I've no idea what a gnat patient attention span is, but it's not long. We want stuff now. I'm rereading some of the Old Testament. Just, just amazed how in like two sentences you'll get a statement like Isaac and Rebecca waited 20 years for a child. I think 20 years, 20 years. <coughs> Once again, 20 years. 20 years, it's a long time. It's a sentence that describes 20 years of patiently waiting for a child. 20 years, we're so impatient. Patience needs therefore practice, and so it goes. Faithfulness is tricky. I might touch on it later if Mel gives me time. Um, faithfulness is tricky. It's tricky. Chatting to a few friends who said, oh, I don't know, I've got a bit of a problem with God at the minute. Oh, what's a risk, isn't it? You've got a problem with God? Oh, I'm a bit nervous about that. I've got a problem with a few people, but a problem with God. Ooh, watch out. It's easy to run from him and sing songs of faithfulness and then say, oh, no, off I go. Faithfulness is tricky. And we do live in a world that would rather control others than control ourselves. Self-control. It's not others' control. Self-control. These are tricky things. This is the race. Therefore, we need to practice it. And this is kind of what we're teasing out this morning. The joy is that Jesus is in it with us, of course. But this is the race of life, the race of grace, the grace race. Uh, so point one out of all of this is this. So it's just to help you frame some of these ideas. Otherwise, it's just me chatting at you and you think that was quite funny or not and you'll leave. Uh, three ideas here. One, um, comfort or comfort. Think about comfort in the context of racing. This is going to sound nuts, right? But if there were sofas along the way of a marathon, would that not be slightly ridiculous? Ridiculous. Uh, they might be tempting, but nevertheless, slightly ridiculous. Um, uh, just in any long race, um, I'm sure, I hope anyway, in any long race planning, nobody has said, do you know what we need more of? Sofas. That's not, if that's ever been said, it's the wrong race. Uh, more water, yes. More, more encouragement, yes. More bands to keep you going, yes. Um, maybe some medical aid stations, sort of sorry, but yes. But not sofas. The race of life and disciplined life is, can be, can be quite hard, exhilarating and hard. First few miles of running a marathon, as you'll know very well if you've run a marathon, are quite exhilarating. It's like, yeah, we're all on it, woo! Um, the last few are not so exhilarating. Uh, I'm going to die. It did enter my head um, a couple of times. If I just run over there, enter my head. Uh, yet we kind of seek some comfort. If we're not too careful, too much comfort in a comfort zone can cause us to try to sit down and rest. And please bear with me later about rest. Rest is good in some contexts. Uh, but over comfort is not helping you run a race. It's not helping me run a race. It feels a bit uncomfortable 
to express a bit more love to that person who is extremely annoying. That's uncomfortable. I'd rather sit down in the equivalent of my comfy sofa. Uh, it's a bit uncomfortable to put myself in a position where I'm going to have to test myself a bit. Um, public speaking isn't that comfortable for some people, whereas it can be a bit of a test. Uh, maybe we've got to make ourselves uncomfortable. It's not uncomfortable. If we're constantly seeking the comfort zones, uh, we're going to be in trouble, aren't we? And we really create easy comfort zones. I've got a comfort zone at home. I call it my spinny chair. It's really nice, a little comfortable place. Or sometimes it's the conservatory in the summer. Uh, sometimes it's Twitter, which is actually just a bit of sugar rush comfort on my thumb. Uh, well, I know I should be doing something a bit more constructive than tweeting or not tweeting, as the case may be. Uh, sometimes it's coffee, yes, or the equivalent of. Uh, but we need to be careful about our comfort zones. There's nothing wrong with rest, bear with me later, but if we're getting comfortable, we're in trouble. Um, has anybody run a marathon? Yeah, was it comfortable, Barry? It was all right. See, so Barry, once again, challenges everything I'm going to say. Brilliant one, Barry. I didn't think running a marathon was that comfortable in parts, but there we are. Uh, it was all right, though. All good, Barry, right? So it's not always comfortable. We've got to watch our comfort zones. We have comfort zones in church. It's just seductive. We create them. It's really comfy. It's comfy to sing songs and then have a talk, and then we know we're going to have some prayer, and then we're going to go home at about 12 o'clock-ish, give or take. It's comfort. We create it. We need it, in fact, sometimes, but not if it's crushing our race, if it's interfering with our race, and we're saying, yeah, I'm going to sit down, or the equivalent of. Uh, little part B in here is our culture um, can create some expectations that aren't always helpful. Um, has anybody recently painted a house inside anywhere? Yeah, a few. Okay, so like when you choose the paint and stick it on your wall, it's quite a drama, isn't it? Ooh, I don't know how long you took to choose your paint colours. Uh, sometimes it can take a while, and it's just sort of different shades of cream or some such, right? goes on the wall, and that is just a complete revelation for about a week, and then it's normal. We just get used to stuff. Um, even if you painted it polka dot pink, you get used to it after a few weeks. We just get acclimatized to stuff, and we're acclimatized to things in our community here too. They're not always helpful. The good news is sometimes Jesus just pulls us out of our comfort zones, he just pulls us out. I've been reading a bit about Lot in the Old Testament. If you want to delve into this more, I'll say no more than this. He lived in a really tricky town, really bad town. They were, they were sex-charged maniacs in his little town. Um, and I Read it. I mean, read it. Really serious. It's not good. Um, and even then, he didn't want to go. I'd like to think if I had two angels, one to my left, one to my right, in this mad city saying, I am going to bring fire and brimstones and blow up this place into smithereens that I'd kind of want to get out, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, Lot didn't. He needed these angels to literally remove him from his town. And I think to our comfort or to our encouragement, sometimes God does that. We're so attuned to the stuff around us. We don't always see it. And God sometimes says, I'm going to take you out and put you somewhere else. We need, we need that sometimes, if it's too comfortable. A third little point within this point is that we have a comforter called the Holy Spirit. John 14 talks about how God will send us a comforter, a counselor, a helper uh, to be with us forever. The spirit of truth, he's called. He will teach you all things, remind you of everything I have said to you. We really need the Holy Spirit. If you're running a marathon race of grace, we need God along the way. He is with us in it. Thank goodness for that. Otherwise, all the other stuff we're hearing 
would invade us and take us down. Uh, We need to not resist him is where I wanted to get with that. Later in this passage, um, verse 14, uh, Paul who wrote this, or likely Paul who wrote this, says, don't resist God. We're in this race of grace. Don't resist him. We need the Spirit to help us along this way. If he's saying, do you know, go home to Zambia, we've got to go home. If he's saying, don't go home to Africa, we've got to not go home. Change your job, don't change your job, be gracious. Uh, he's, he's talking to us all the time, and we need to not resist him. Slightly concerned as we, in fact, it's not a concern, it's a, it's a joy, exhilaration, and a likely reality. As this church, as we as a community, keep pressing into more of God, um, we will be tempted to take comfort and resist the Spirit of God. Isn't that sad? But it's true. We'll be tempted to resist him and evade him. We do all sorts of things. We don't resist him. Keep running the race. Embrace him. Otherwise, we're in trouble. So think about comfort, racing and comfort. Running and comfort is sometimes really uncomfortable. Um, Maybe some practical examples later, but it's uncomfortable. Right? Oh, okay. Try another five. Uh, part two is common sense, right? So God gives us some common sense as well. Think about common sense. I was chatting to somebody this week, like really fabulous 10-minute chat um, about how they, they are challenged to do something in faith, which is brilliant, and then a bit concerned that there might be some issues around that particular scenario. When I think, well, good, there are some issues around that particular scenario. God gives us common sense. In a racing context, if you're going to run a race, you sort of need to enter it. That's a good common sense thing to do. It's preferable. I'm not sure, Barry, how you ran your marathon, but it's preferable to run in trainers, I would suggest, rather than boots. Uh, Just a suggestion. Um, Definitely preferable to drink along the way. Uh, And in fact, as I um, thankfully found out, it's quite important to go to the toilet before you run a race. A long one. <laughs> I will go there. So mile seven in this race in, um, in Amsterdam, um, there were a lot of people who clearly hadn't taken the advice to go to the toilet before running the race. There's just a long line of men, I presume all men, I didn't stop to really to pay attention, uh, hopefully not too many women, sort of standing and peeing along a wall uh, as we were like running at mile seven. It was quite comical, but I didn't feel the need to stop and ask them why. Uh, common sense sometimes is, is important, right? It's important. It's helpful. God gives us common sense. I remember a story some years ago with um, a friend of my parents who took in a homeless person. Really great step of faith, but they didn't really do it in a common sense way. And there were some consequences to that, uh, which weren't healthy, <laughs> let's put it in those terms. So great intention, brilliant, and common sense. Go hand in hand. Really good. It gives us brains. And, 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 I think we need to slightly add a word in here to help us. I think God asks us for common kingdom sense, because common kingdom sense can be different to common sense. And it's not common sense necessarily to move to Nicaragua to serve the poor when you've got a young child. But that's Anakin Darcy some years ago. Did that. It's not sort of common sense, is it? It doesn't strike me as a sensible thing to do. But it was the right kingdom common sense thing to do. What does God ask for? What comes first? Who comes first? We sing it, you are my everything. And then sometimes if we're not careful, common sense on its own says, yeah, and bits and bits and bobs and stuff and things. 
don't give up your job because that might be a problem for your future pension. And God's saying, yeah, but I'd like you to go to somewhere else. Common kingdom sense. Uh, too often, if we're not careful in a church setting, we, we apply common sense, but not common kingdom sense, and do the equivalent of, I'll call them rubbish banners. You can't put them in the youth work. They're too old. They're too short. They're too ginger. They're too young. They're too fat. They're too thin. They're too, oh, who knows what. Uh, too much common sense isn't always a good thing, is it? I'll assume that you've all thought, no, fair enough. So I can't tell. <laughs> common kingdom sense. What does Jesus ask of us? What is he constantly encouraging us in? Uh, what is he taking us out of or into that perhaps is common kingdom sense? He gives us it. Uh, my last analogy on this is X Factor auditions. If, you, if you're a fan of the now very dated genre of X Factor, I used to love the audition side, sort of sorry. They've stopped it now because people who can't sing you don't see on telly anymore. There are some dreadful singers. Uh, and I particularly enjoyed the ones who were asked, uh, why are you here? Jesus told me I'm going to win the X Factor. And you have a little montage with 12 of them. Well, you're not all going to win, right? So sometimes we have some maybe good intentions. Common sense might say, if you sound like a cat falling down a drain, you ain't going to win. It's called common sense. Uh, and then there's common kingdom sense, where we do what God asks us to do. What does Jesus actually ask us? We need to pause, stop, and listen. Uh, the other idea around common is this, that it, we're shared. It's, we're not individuals in here. Uh, well, of course, we are individuals, but we're, we are interdependent, not independent. In other words, we're, there's a commonality between us. There's a common thing, uh, which goes a little bit like this, that if I'm running my race, I can help you run your race. If you're running your race, you can help me run my race. Uh, if you're not running your race, you're going to hinder my race. And if I'm not running my race, I'm going to hinder your race. We're in it together. We all need to be in it together. Paul puts it far better than that ridiculous little phrase. He says, are we all called to be evangelists? Yes. <laughs> okay. Are we all called to heal? Are we all, have we all got gifts of healing? No. Have we all got gifts of public speaking? No. Have we all got gifts, gifts, gifts of all sorts of different things? No. But bring it to the church for the common good. In other words, um, if I'm going to succeed in my race of life in grace, I, I need you as well, please. And vice versa. We need each other. Even when we're tempted to say, I want to run my own. Thank you. Uh, okay, part three. <laughs> Comfort zone one, common sense, common kingdom sense two, and of course, Christ. See the three C's there? Spurgeon's College would be proud. Christ. Christ alone. Jesus always. Uh, we can get so immersed in the stuff that isn't very Jesus that, in fact, we end up completely distracted and, and do the equivalent of running the wrong, in the wrong direction. Uh, I've, I've used this analogy before. There's, I've forgotten his name. There's a now infamous chap who um, had, a, had an amazing time in a marathon some years ago. It's because he went and got on the bus. He, he got on the bus, went around the roads, and rejoined the race at like mile 18 and finished in some record time. Yeah, no. There are no shortcuts to growing in faith. It's the race. That's what it is. Can't get on the bus, and therefore Jesus has to be at the center of everything. In all situations, what is Jesus asking? In all, in all scenarios, 
Uh, what's he suggesting to us? What's he saying to us? I love that he sent out his disciples and said, this is what you've seen me do, go and do likewise. If we're not quite sure, let's go and just do what Jesus did. So here's some examples, and I'll give us a prayer to, to, for a moment. And that won't be the end. There's more. But some examples. And sometimes we can leave church. We did for a little while. We'd leave church, go to Costa Coffee, just cause, um, and talk about church for a couple of hours. Mm. How about let's talk about Jesus? What was he saying? What was he doing? How did worship go? Oh, yeah. We talk about church. The cows come home. It doesn't really matter, does it? It doesn't matter what we do as church. It matters what Jesus is doing in his church and in his people. Let's put Jesus front and center. He is with us. It's not Helga, it's Jesus. He's in the race. So let's see what he says to us. Well, you know, Phil, not sure that my mum will be happy with that. Well, okay, we maybe have a chat, but God's asking you to do it, so let's do it. And so it goes. Jesus is in his story, in his life story, um, all the time, people were saying, let me go first and do these other things. Let me go and bury my father. Let me go in this and let me go in that. And I'm going to do the other and then I'll follow you. And he says, okay. That's how I imagine it. Or, uh, that's another way to imagine it. Or please follow me first. Jesus first, foremost. First, first, first. How can we think of this? Well, A is a wonderful biblical word called Repent. Uh, which is simply, we, no, we've, we've inherited this word around repent, which goes a bit like this, repent, because that's just how the previous preaching genres were. Repent just simply means turn again to Jesus. Turn again to God. Put your face towards him. Put your ears, heart, everything towards him and see what he's saying. Uh, here's the prayer. Shall we pray it together? It's from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point, me, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Like a constant running path. Search me, O oh God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Beautifully and horrendously all at once. Jesus died for us so that we can pray this prayer in a meaningful way, didn't he? He wants us to come to him. We can't fix it on our own. We need to come to him. I'd love to never have an offensive thought or heartbeat about Jesus, but I do because I'm human, as will you. So we need to come to him all the time in this race, constantly turning again to him. Otherwise, we're going to run the wrong race if we're not careful. We'll go the wrong route. It's Jesus always. Uh, second little point here is to forgive others. If you're harboring stuff, uh, we need to forgive. <clears throat> we need to forgive. It's a good sign. Help me, God, forgive me, and out of this I can and will forgive others. And how are we blessing others that we meet? Particularly, I would say, here's a little test, those who are a challenge or interesting in our lives. How are we blessing them? Because along this race, how do we bless others as we go? We keep running the race. Watch out for comfort zones. Embrace the comforter, Holy Spirit. Common kingdom sense, Christ and Christ alone. How do we know if this is working? And this might start to evoke some response. And Paul, as he writes through Hebrews, 
um, gets into Hebrews chapter 13, brilliantly, very punchy. So I'll try to be punchy here. It's like bullet points almost. Um, how do we know if we're making good choices uh, or not in this race of grace, grace race? One, keep on loving each other. Yeah, that's good. Not just for five minutes, but for your life. Keep on running. Keep on, keep on loving. Keep on loving. Um, part, boom, number two, um, entertain strangers. And I think what he meant was host them, not juggle fire. Oh, or may, maybe he did mean juggling fire, but I think he meant hosting. In other words, have them around your house. People you don't really know. Uh, because then, in fact, you might be entertaining angels, he says. So in other words, don't become selfish. Open yourselves up. Uh, part three, remember those in prison and the ill-treated. Don't just forget them because they're not here. You know that phrase, out of sight, out of mind? At the time, a lot of Christians were being arrested for stupid reasons, because they were Christians. Uh, just let's not forget them. Chrissy's been brilliant at helping us think about people sort of home with COVID over this COVID season because they're not here. Um, I'm terrible at this. I need to make myself remember. Uh, point four, honor your marriages. Do you know what? Marriage is a marathon. Exhilarating and sometimes a struggle. Right, but honor them. What does honoring your marriage mean? That's rhetorical uh, at the moment. You, you can think for yourselves. Uh, part, what are we? One, two, three, four, five, number boom. Don't love money. If you fantasize about money or chasing money or imagining inheriting a ton of money when whoever it is dies, or as my brother once said, there'll be a squirrel come down out of a tree with a gold coin in his mouth, money. Um, watch out for that. Uh, I see this uh, in the community all the time. Often, uh, often it's, I have such a hard working life, by the way. I have probably I have to go out, have, just have to go out and eat lunch with clients quite frequently. Um, have a lot of coffee dates, like most. It's really hard. Um, but I, so I observe a bit of this love of money thing um, when it comes to tipping. And, and occasionally, um, clients will, will pay for dinner. That's nice of them. And they'll like put a couple of quid in a tip. <laughs> Feels a bit awkward to me. If you're happy to spend 50 quid on a steak, but not happy to put two pounds of a tip to people, who maybe money's got a thing. It's a little, little hint. We can fantasize and love money too much. Uh, last bullet point here, don't get, uh, don't get distracted by strange teachings, is what Paul's saying. Some hints. In other words, these are the things that are going to take us off our race. Money, lack of faithfulness. Uh, not loving each other, like ignoring strangers, forgetting people are out of sight, getting distracted by strange teachings. Let's not do that. I'm going to finish there, and we're going to pray. Let's do that, shall we?